Greetings humans and welcome to Lefteris Ask Science edition number 14, the podcast where I annoy scientists and ask them many questions until I understand what, how and why they do what they do. In this episode we answer questions about entomology or the study of insects. How do insects evolve? How fast do they evolve? And what can we learn from this evolution? In the previous edition of the show, we talked about spider silk and its use as an adhesive. While I was reading some articles online, I came across the name of Zach Wilde. Initially, I thought Ozzy Osbourne's guitarist started a new career as an academic. But later, I found out that Zach Wilde is a kind postdoc from the University of New South Wales. Zach studies insects, and more specifically, the sex life of insects. Before we go into the show, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, please subscribe and share it with one other friend, so that's the best way for the podcast to grow. Also, if you have any questions or suggestions, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at lefteris underscore asks and email me at lefteris at lefterisasks.com. Let's now meet Dr. Zach Wild. My name is uh, Zach Wild. I'm a postdoctoral fellow at the University of New South Wales. Uh, Sydney, Australia, and I study insects and the, the sex lives of uh, insects. I know that sex sells and it's catchy, but what's specifically interesting about the genitalia of insects? So what's really strange about insect genitalia? Well, first off, they're just really bizarre structures. They have these crazies, like often they have spikes and weird tubes coming off them. Um, but what's really interesting about insect genitalia, particularly male genitalia, is that two species can look exactly the same. Two closely related species can look like very much identical if you just look at them from the eye. But as soon as you look at their genitalia, they're vastly different. And so what's weird is that we find that genitalia in insects uh, seem to evolve a lot faster than any other structures in the insect. So it's very, it's a strange, it's a puzzle that's sort of been of interest for a very, very long time uh, to evolutionary biologists and naturalists. The general consensus about male genitalia in insects is that they evolve due to sexual selection. Basically, in the process of mating between insects, the competition between males is what drives the rapid evolution of the male genitalia, which apparently in insects it's quite modular. However, Dr. Weil has another theory which he wanted to test. So what I was trying to do is, is compare this process with uh, integration. So integration is a concept to do with the correlation of traits, how they, they grow. Like, just like if, you, if you could picture like um, one of your arms, maybe one of your arms grows like twice as long as the other. And so what we would say is that that trait is, has low integration. It's not correlated with the other traits. So... Usually you would expect the bigger the person, the longer the arm, and it's sort of proportional to the body. And that would, you would say it would be highly integrated. Those traits are highly integrated where they're sort of the same sort of size or they're sort of proportional to the, the body size. Whereas with the genitalia, it seems that there is low integration. So the traits, they disproportionately grow. Um, and yeah, and what this suggests is that, uh, that those, these traits may be more um, evolvable or more have the potential to evolve more quickly. Um, there's some theory that um, suggests that traits that are, are less correlated with the rest of the body or like less proportionate have the potential to evolve more quickly because they can adapt to different shapes space, 
Low integration means that one physical trait is disproportionate to the rest of the body. Imagine a baby with a grown human's arm. And with that nightmarish image, we continue with our discussion. When a trait has low integration, it is expected to be quite modular from generation to generation. Basically, it changes all the time. What was the way to identify the level of integration of male insect genitalia? What's really cool about the species that we study is that we can manipulate their diet. So we can we create uh, an artificial food that we make in the lab, and that differs in protein and carbohydrate ratio. Um, and we can rear the, the maggots or the larvae on these diets. And what happens is that the males will come out different sizes and shapes. So if we feed them like a really high-quality diet, the males will come out really large and exaggerated and quite aggressive. And then if we feed them like a low-quality diet, they come out almost more female-like, um, which I think is really cool. And it's a really interesting a way to, to study these types of traits. So what I did is I manipulated the diet. So I fed a rich or a poor nutrient diet. And what this means is that they come out these different sizes. And then I wanted to look at the sensitivity of the genitalia to the diet. So by identifying how the diet affects the overall growth of the insects and their separate body parts, Dr. Wild was able to identify if the genitalia are proportional with the rest of the body. So all these other traits, like their body size, um, the shape of, of the, their heads and other things, they, they are really reactive to the uh, diet during development. But it seems in a lot of insects that the, the, the genitalia don't react to diet, so they're not sensitive to diet, which is puzzling, actually, because we expect sexually selected traits or traits that are shaped by sexual selection are supposed to be um, what we call condition-dependent. So they're supposed to be um, reactive to the diet or to nutrients during development, um, but we don't find that pattern, so it's kind of strange. And now, for the question that you all had since the beginning of the episode, I wanted to find out how modular these genitals are. What exactly changes in the shape and the size of the insect male genitalia? So, in order to do that, we need to know how does the genitalia of a fly look like? And the species that I study, the, the male genitalia, it's kind of like an arm, like an elbow. So it has like a length like this, like an elbow, and then it has this strange tube structure that comes off the end of it. Um, and also a bunch of other very small sort of micro structures on there. And so what I, I, I measured was like the length of these different traits. So the length of different, these different parts of the genitalia. And then that enables me to, to sort of get a metric or an understanding of how correlated they are with the rest of the body. Dr. Wilde informed me that this kind of thinking was the first time it was applied in insects. The idea of integration as one of the reasons why male genitalia evolve so fast. So what can we learn from how insects evolve? What does that mean for our understanding? I think insects, in terms of studying evolution, are really um, interesting because we can look at evolution in real time. They have such short generation times, like they can... Their life, their life cycle is really short, so that enables us to a really powerful way to look at how evolution occurs in real time as opposed to things that are just too live for too long, I guess. Some flies, from, so from when they're an egg to when they're an adult, um, could be like two weeks. 
and then they, um, and then they will live for in the wild. They'll tend to live for probably a couple of weeks after that. So that like all in all, from egg to death would be like sometimes like four weeks, I guess. Or, or it depends on what species you're looking at. The species that I study, um, they take about a month to grow to adult stage, and in the lab, you can make them live for a really long time, but it depends on what kind of environment you want to put them in. You can put them in a stressful environment. They'll probably live shorter. But yeah, they're very quick, like relatively. So you can have multiple generations and you can change the environment that they're in to, to exert uh, certain types of pressures on the, on the population. Dr. Weil was very kind and patient with my questions. His ideas about open science and his attitude towards nature and the process of evolution was quite inspiring to me. I wanted to find out what was his journey like and how did he end up studying insect genitalia. I can think of memories even as a kid. Uh, I used to, to sort of run experiments as a kid on cicadas and uh, insects I found in the garden. I don't know if they were very humane, but... <laughs> um, I, I, I've always been interested in uh, how things work. And so I think that's sort of how I sort of fell into science. I initially went into biology wanting to do forensic science, um, but I, I got interested in evolutionary biology on the way and uh, that really captured me. And, and yeah, insects are just really bizarre. They're really bizarre creatures. I don't know how I ended up studying genitalia, but, but insect genitalia are very bizarre. So I guess they're just interesting. And that's it for another edition of Lefteris Ask Science. I'd like to thank Dr. Zach Wild for his time and his patience in explaining to me the concepts of integration and the insect life. And thank you for staying and listening until the end. If you want to find out more about Dr. Wild's work, look in the description of the podcast for links to his work. If you'd like to help, then please share the episode with your friends since that's the best way to the podcast to grow and create a nice, curious community. You can always contact me on Twitter at Lefteris underscore asks for any suggestions or questions that you might have. Until we meet again, take care, keep learning, and be kind. <laughs>